Welcome to the Around the Crease podcast. This is Mike Loveday, and this is going to be uh, season two, uh, episode one. And we're calling that because for the first time, I'm going to actually have a co-host on the Around the Crease podcast. So I'd like to introduce Tom Peace, the founder of the Peace Report Lax blog. Um, you can find him on Medium at Peace Report Lax blog. And same thing on Twitter, I believe. I can correct me if I'm wrong, Tom. But so welcome to the Around the Crease podcast. I'm very excited to have you on. I'm very excited, Mike. This is what the the fans and the people have wanted is uh, us to get reconnected again and talk lacrosse on a uh, a great show like this and a, a great medium and just to bounce ideas off of our and topics in this podcast off each other and also talk and share people's thoughts on lacrosse recruiting. Oh, you name it. We'll talk about it on this show, and it's it's a great time to um, get together and talk about lacrosse as the high school season's winding down and the club tournament uh, showcase season is starting to heat up. And so it's, this is a perfect time for us to start a show and talk. And you and I have been in this field for a long time covering lacrosse recruiting and yeah. You know, better two people to talk about it than you and I. <laughs> and for anybody who, who doesn't know, like I, I think, you know, more than a few people do, but, you know, obviously the high school audience changes every few years. But Tom and I actually worked together when I was the editor at um, ESPN's high school network was ES, ESPN High School. And uh, I brought Tom on board after a few years and we worked together for probably two or three years before ESPN collapsed and uh, or not ESPN, <laughs> but ESPN High School collapsed and started the first of their many many layoffs down the road so tom and i have known each other for probably a decade now um mm-hmm. give or take so it's just, it is great to kind of have the the band back together so to speak and uh and be doing this like i'm very i'm very excited so as far as like expectations like what i think what i'm most looking forward to out of the show is just when i did this the first season of this and it was about i did it several months i think i did about 36 episodes of it and I usually had guests on, which we will still have. We'll still bring coaches and guests on, um, players and things like that um, to talk. But it was just me, and it was doing it by myself. So, you know, I'd have the guests on as a the rest of the show was just me. And for me, I always just kind of feed better off another person. So I'd actually try and talk to a few people about their interests on doing something like this. And people are busy. They got stuff to do. They got lives. It's hard to find another person that shares your vision and – has availability availability to to do this. So I was thrilled when I reached out to you and we have this. So I think we have a lot of ground to cover and there's really no topic off limits that we can talk about a lot. Right. So that's kind of what I'm looking most forward to and kind of how I see it see it going. And we're welcome fan feedback. We use that we're using the hashtag around the crease on Twitter. So if you use that hashtag, we will check a document that has those hashtags in it and for any questions that anybody has, any topics they want us to cover, anything like that. So, and we'll feel also, free to use we'll hashtag also, around the crease. Sorry, Mike. I just wanted to disappoint that we'll be out at events this summer. That, like I alluded to earlier, it's now the summer showcase season here in the lacrosse world, and we'll be out, um, out and about at different various tournaments this summer. I will be, you'll be, and we'll try to talk to people at these events, kids, players, coaches, and include their feedback on the podcast each week and have uh, you, the 
the fans, the the players, the coaches be also the voice on the show each week, which will be a great aspect of the show. Yes, definitely. And I should add in that Tom will be doing some writing on Lax Records. So really for the first time, and the site's been up for four years now, which is hard for me to believe. Actually, I think I have to look up the date, but I think July 14th is the uh, four-year anniversary of Lax Records. So for the first time, I will actually have a regular contributor other than me oh. <laughs> writing for the site. So obviously that that excites me quite a bit. And so I think we're going to be doing a little bit different things than people are kind of used to at a Lax Records. But four years old, it's time to grow up. We're heading off to school. We're learning new things. It is the perfect time. And I couldn't think of anything better than having you do that stuff. So I'm excited. I'm, I am thrilled. I'm going to keep saying that till it's not true. And it's not going to be not true for a while. So. Well, Mike, is, is it, like I was telling you just a few minutes ago, and you can see it on uh, social media when we threw out a question this past week about recruiting, that people want to talk about lacrosse. They want to talk about recruiting. They want to share their thoughts. It's it's a interesting interesting time in the sport, and so it is having uh, you and I, two people that have been around the recruiting world of lacrosse for the last 10, 15 years, we're we want to talk with people and we have some uh, credibility here to talk about this stuff. And exactly. we're, we're excited to have this podcast for the people and um, it, it's going to be a great, great thing in the future. We're excited to, to kick this off in the summertime and hopefully take it into the next season of the high school season and uh, just keep it going. And uh, we, we just want to have everyone's feedback and just keep, talking about this great sport that we're trying to grow each and every day. And uh, uh, I see uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about on today's show, Mike. We do. And good tease for the recruiting stuff. We're actually going to touch on that a little bit later. But first, we want to get to a um, since it is the high school season, we're kind of wrapping up, um, kind of want to touch on a couple topics. And since I do run lax records and I love the stats and the, the history of the game, one of the things I wanted to bring up is our most recent uh, player of the week, the Lax Records player of the week, was Strathaven's Jeffrey Connor. And he is a kid. He is on fire right now during this time of the season. I don't have his point total right in front of me, but I think he's had almost like 30 points in the three games that uh, Strathaven's played in the uh, PIAA AA playoffs. Right. And last week he – I mean, it was – he had eight points in the opening round. I think he had three goals in the second round, but he – he was that clutch guy that when they needed a uh, insurance goal, he was the guy that got it. And then last week, I think he had um, five or six or seven points. I, I think it actually was more than that. But that was against Springfield Delco, which was the reigning two-time champion. Right. Um, they had won back-to-back titles. So he is just on fire. Virginia commit. I don't know if you've gotten to see him play or seen any highlights of, of I believe Jeff, I interviewed him in the past. He's, yeah, he, he has had a stellar season because he, he started the year um, – with about 280, 270, 280 points. So he hit 300 career points earlier this season. I believe it was in April. And then with his game um, last week, the playoff game last week where he scored, I believe it was four goals and an assist, that put him over uh, 400 career points, which only 88 players that I'm aware of at this point have done that. So he's hit two pretty significant landmarks. And I think at last count, he's got about 156 points this season, which is his best season so far. So he just keeps getting better and better over time. And I'm just, it's, it's, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, it's like, they play in their championship game this weekend. It's them and Bishop Shanahan for the uh, for the title. And I think those are two of the hottest teams in Pennsylvania right now. So that that's going to be one to watch for sure. And, and I mean, just 20, through 23 games, he has 153 points, which is 23 more than his previous career high, which is pretty insane. He's averaging close to seven points per game. And uh, if you're you're Lars Tiffany, you're, you're smiling ear to ear with, uh, this young man coming to Charlottesville next year. Exactly. Especially since he's hitting, he seems to be hitting his stride this year too. So he's obviously been improving every year. And then it's like the quality, I mean, the quality of competition, and, you know, the numbers are great, but you look at the teams he's playing too. And the fact that he's doing some of this in the playoffs mm-hmm. is, you know, that just shows like the kind of clutch performer he is. So he's been great. I'm looking forward to seeing that game or at least following that game somehow this weekend um, to see how that plays out. But, you know, obviously Congratulations, Jeffrey, on earning Player of the Week, and uh, good luck to all the teams because there's a number of championships this weekend, including our next topic, which was uh, West Genesee's Mike Nasser. He's the all-time winningest coach. He's the only coach that has won over 800 games in his career, and I don't know if you could find a better way to cap your career than the way West Genesee has had this season. And uh, Tom, you may have the record in front of in front of you, but they have reached the New York Class A championship game. And right. I don't know how many times they've reached it under his career, but he is basically West Genesee lacrosse. But he has 15 championship victories going for number 16. I think this is probably one. I mean, the storybook would write itself if he actually goes out a winner. But I think to even make it to this point, this shows, you know, he has spanned. I mean, you think of all the generations that he's coached. Oh, yeah. And, it just goes to show, I mean, you can say, like, you know, the players change and things like that. And, you know, maybe he doesn't know how to relate to, to today's youth versus the, the past. But I, I don't think any of that kind of bears any fruit when you look at the season they've been having. They're 15-time state champs. They've reached their 24th New York State Public High School Athletic Association title game after beating Lancaster and uh, – Coach Messier is, uh, he's, like you said, he's going to wrap up a fantastic career. And um, West Genesee is one of those teams where you're looking at the landscape of high school across in the country. They're right there in that ranking with the, the boys' Latins, uh, the Gilmans and the Catwood Halls down here. You got the Haverfords and PA. That They're right there with all those schools in the country and the hotbed areas. And you're talking about a great head coach who's one of the best head coaches in lacrosse, in high school lacrosse, right up there with the, the Bob Shrivers of the world, you know? Yeah. And uh, I'm going to put a link in the, the show notes as well, but I actually got the got it was kind of one of the highlights of the season one of the podcast is I got to interview Coach Masser, uh, I think this before the start of not this this season, but the 2017 season. And I got to talk to him a little bit about what it was like coaching um, for 30 plus years and, what things he's noticed about, you know, the players and stuff like that. And he had fantastic insights. So I'm going to put links to that in the show notes for anybody who's interested in, in that part of the game. But he was fantastic. He was very generous with his time. Um, just a very interesting guy. And obviously he, he's forgotten work lacrosse than I think most people will ever learn in their career, considering the amount of time he spent on a sideline and coaching players. I mean, you could go through his stats all day, how many All-Americans uh-huh. and just how many people that have graduated from that program and then gone on to coach themselves. Like, So it's going to be interesting. But another 
game to watch this weekend is that Class A title game mm-hmm. um, in New York. So that's going to be, and I believe it's it's them and Ward Melville. Right. So and Ward Melville won it all last year. It's another one of New York's most prestigious programs. So it's going to be an interesting. There's probably going to be some tears shed by some people, you know, win or lose in that game because it's just going to be an emotional ride. That's one of the it's that like we we're just saying with uh, Mr. Connor, how he's playing against tough competition every every game. So is that area up there in New York where Coach uh, has to go up against like a team like Ward Melville and Nescayuna and Lancaster and all those powerhouses up there that just turn out talent each and every year. And so to have that uh, to leave the game with that those milestones after coaching in that area of the country is, is remarkable. Yeah, he's going to end up with not quite 850 career wins. They're up in the eight, 840s. I think they have 17 or 18 this season, started the year with 826. So it's going to be, you know, there, there's he's got the numbers out the wazoo to talk about, but I think probably more, you know, he's just a, been a great coach, and the game's going to miss him. He's going to be one of those guys that just – going to be a little bit less with him not roaming the sideline anymore and i know he will be very missed by the west genesee faithful and yeah. it's going to be weird not to see him on the sideline and see his name in the uh in the book next year that's going to take some adjustment on my part he's been one of those <laughs> been one of the consistencies through you know after all like a bunch of the miaa guys retired it's like all right there's there's a number of coaches are still going around but he's he spans way more i'm sure he's you know more reporters have come and gone off that lacrosse beat up there <laughs> then uh, they could stand at this point. Yeah. So, but moving on, uh, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about recruiting and obviously Tom, just to let everybody know in full disclosure, like you do a little bit of recruiting for um, Hartford Community College. Yeah. So you obviously know quite a bit about this topic. And for me, I guess my expertise area is this and the fact that I interview a lot of coaches and I talk to a lot of coaches and I talk to a lot of parents and players. So, you know, I hear a lot about the, I guess, the the pain points with the recruiting process, a lot of the complaints and, you know, perceived complaints and things like that throughout the process. But then I also hear from the college coaches. And so, like, and I've spent a few um, podcast episodes, and I can link to those or you can find them in the feed um, about, like, the recruiting process in general. So why don't you go ahead and kick us off with this section, because I know you kind of kicked it off on Twitter with a question to everybody. Yeah, it's, it's one of those interesting things that is happening right now in the game, and uh, if you haven't heard in the last year, they, the NCAA uh, came down with ruling that you, uh, the co- head coaches can't talk to uh, players until their junior, the junior year of, their, of September, their junior year, and uh, they can't reach out to them, they can't offer them, they can't do anything until then, and so um, it's changed the landscape because we were, we were in this period where kids were committing when they're about in eighth grade and it was just right. one of those things I was getting highlight tapes sent to me from seventh graders to post and on Twitter and stuff. So it was getting out of hand. The recruiting was out of hand and the um the NCAA and people and the coaches committees for the for around lacrosse came together and uh just decided to put a uh, a date on it and the stop the early recruiting process and so now we had this now hard day for juniors and so I asked parents and players 
this past week about what if they've noticed a difference in the recruiting process, if they feel relieved and not stressed out anymore, if they have a child who's a, a sophomore or a freshman in high school. Um, and you, you have a mixed, mixed bag of reactions from people I've talked to on Twitter. I put out that question, and um, people are, are saying that they feel that the stress level is down, but they're trying to, the hard part is to find which events to go to now right. in the summer recruiting circuit uh, that is starting to take place this month and next month where coaches will uh, go to these events and recruit kids, and but they can't talk to them. Uh, but they, they, they can work, like they can like coach them. There's some events where college coaches will come and instruct but they can't like talk to them about like their school and stuff it's it's right. it's so it's so wishy-washy still i think but um yeah and i, I mean i i guess i come from a world where you know i started my kind of reporting career like i covered high school football and the rule was pretty similar in football like coaches aren't allowed to contact athletes until september 1st of their junior year but you still get, I mean, it was just a few years ago, you had that kid from California that was like an eighth grader or seventh grader that committed to USC. And like the verbal commitment part can still, and which basically, to be clear, that's really all it was before. Like, right. you know, when the kids were kidding in eighth grade, it was just a verbal commitment. There was no signing. They still couldn't sign right. um, until their senior year to begin with. It was just, you, you got that. I guess it was the perception that all these kids are committing and the spots were being taken up, yes, which God, is really yes. what put the pressure on. Like, you know, the kids were like, all right, you know, the the kids committing, whether or not they were, you know, it was just, it was a lot of gray areas. So, and I think it was one of those, like, you, you got to keep up with everybody else. Like, oh, this kid's committing. And all of a sudden you hear, you know, uh, uh, Yale, or well, I guess Yale is a bad example being the Ivy League school, but like Duke already has like seven commits for the class of, you know, 2018. And here it was like 2014. And the perception is like, well, that class is filling up. So if I ever want to go to Duke to play lacrosse, like I better do it now or there's not going to be a spot. So you kind of got a lot of that. And I think with the coaches actually just coming down and be like, you know, we're just basically going to adhere to what, you know, the other major sports do with September 1st, like it reduces a little bit of that. And I, but I think the college coaches, they're still going to be aware of those kids. It's not like they're going to, you know, not start watching them. I mean, like they're going to know who they are. It's just, I think that hopefully takes a little bit of the pressure off the player that they can adapt and, you know, work on their game rather than working on, you know, be like, oh, I'm a freshman or yeah, I'm heading into my sophomore year and I don't have a college that I've decided yeah. on yet. Like that's that was always the crazy part for me was just thinking about, man, I had no I wasn't thinking about college yeah. as a sophomore in high school. Like it wasn't obviously I wasn't, you know, a high level athlete by any means, but. Let me, let me share some of these tweets that were sent to us through some people that responded to the the, um, the question I threw out. And here's uh, Western New York lacrosse who said, this definitely has been a difference. We've, they've seen a, more satellite prospect camps and single-day combines with college coaches than ever before. Mm -hmm. Coaches are eager in getting athletes on their radar before they are permitted in actually talking to them. I, they, they, he says he's received dozens of inquiries on mm. stuff. And here's another parent uh, said that his, he's a, 20, a parent of a 2020 kid, which is uh, 
uh, sophomore, right? And they, mm-hmm. they wish they they moved the date back to August 1st instead of, instead of September to allow the multi-sport athletes to be able to visit interested schools in the summer, which is a, a good point that parent raises is that <laughs> um, these kids are playing multiple sports, and so it's tough for them to go to the school that they're interested in. And right. They don't even know if the school is interested in, uh, in them to begin with because they can't talk to the kid until <laughs> September. Right. And by that point, they're full-fledged into football or soccer. <laughs> so right. um, it's one of those things that was a, a topic that got interesting on the, the Twitter Twitterverse, tw- Twitter sphere during last week. Um, another, parent, another person said, uh, by the name of Empress W. Lax, uh, they said they've noticed a difference, but it is the rule they will adapt and learn. The hardest part is where to spend your money. Camps, showcases, tournaments, and not knowing what coaches are thinking is the hardest part. There should be right. better communication between the coaches and the, cl- the directors of the events, which is true. I mean, it's one of those things where communication can be better, I think we will see that as the summer goes along with the new rules, right? You think so, Mike? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, I guess from an out, not, never having had anybody had a kid to send through the camp process, like, but I, that was a, a complaint or a concern that I had heard even years ago. It's, you know, there are so many places for, there's so many options um, for places for kids to go during the summer that it became that, like, where do I go? Like, where do I spend my money? Where do I send the kid? Where do, you know, where does the club program go? And I mean, cause there are, I mean, that, you know, July, June, July, August, I mean, it's really June, July is it, it's cramped. I mean, there's many events going on every weekend. So, I mean, that is a complaint that I've heard for years and years. And I, I don't know how, you know, there's not a solve for it to be honest. Cause I mean, I've talked to, I remember interview, I interviewed coach Torpy, the head coach at high point last year. And it was one of those, like, how do you, how do they decide? Cause you only got a limited amount of coaching staff. And so they'll send a couple coaches, you know, you might have three coaches at three different events, but that's still only three events over the grand scheme of all of them. So I think it is tough. Um, and I mean, I think you see a lot of events promote the fact what colleges have attended in the past mm. that way. Cause that's kind of the, the differentiator in a lot of them. It's like, you know, you can't guarantee who's going to show up this year. But if you know who's shown up in the past, it just kind of shows like, you know, we have a history of bringing in these coaches um, to go. So if you know you're interested in like D3, maybe there's, you know, an event that has way more like D3 coaches attending mm-hmm. than um, another event. Like if you just strictly want to focus on D1, maybe there's some events like that. So I think that's kind of like it does put it on the parent and the player to kind of do some research and maybe even reach out to some of the um, event directors and find out like, Hey, who's been there in the past? Like we want to know, I mean, you're talking about spending several hundred dollars um, just to get into it and talk. And then, you know, maybe almost a thousand depending on what the events are to get there and spend a weekend, depending on, you know, if it's at a one day event, is it an overnight? Is it two day? Um, And how far you have to go? I mean, there's a lot of factors and I mean, it's tough. I don't envy the parents and I don't envy the players because, I mean, when you're trying to make these decisions, that's all stuff you got away. But I think before you spend that money, I mean, I think the process, you have to start it soon. Like, and I also can't... think if you're, if, you're, if you're a part of a club team and you're going through the club process to find the best events and 
to get your son or daughter recruited, you gotta vet and make sure you're going with the right club and that they have your best interests at heart. You know, in terms yes. of recruiting your child and making sure that they go to bat for that your child and go and talk to these coaches and make sure that they do have legit interest in your son and daughter. You know, right. Yeah, you definitely got to make sure before you put them in that program that, you know, it's, you know what you're doing. I mean, it just comes down to, to doing the research. I mean, and if like, one of those, like, there's, somewhat selfish, but I do have a listing of lacrosse camps on Lax Records um, that I'll also link to. But, you know, talking to a number of college coaches, like, that's, that is probably, like, if you are interested, if you know there's a certain college, like, if you want to go to Duke, you want to go to Yale, you want to go university of maryland like you want to go to the, one of those programs like i think the only way you can really guarantee to make sure those coaches see you is to attend one of the lacrosse camps and i mean the nice thing about a lot of those is it's usually not just the one school that is attending like usually a lot of coaches from the area maybe the conference mm-hmm. also have oh. coaches at those so you're not only getting seen by you know the university of maryland but you may be getting seen by johns hopkins you may be getting seen by syracuse you may be getting seen by the other ones and i mean those coaches usually let people know, like, hey, here's who's, in t- who's who, here's who's planning to attend. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think if you know, like, if you're focused, um, you know, I have a lot of the D1 um, schools listed at this point, but, you know, there's, I'm more than happy. Like, I, it's one of those, like, same as anybody else. Like, there's so many camps. So, if, like, D2, D3, NAIA schools want to list their camps as well, like, I'm welcome. I'm, I'm more than happy to list them because, from my perspective, and Juco. if I can help. Yeah, and Ju- <laughs> Yes, of course, and Juco. Um, anybody who wants to know, like, because for me, it's giving the kids options. Like, it's almost, it could be par- uh, paralyzed by choice because there's so many options and it could. But then again, if you know, like, hey, you know, I'm looking at these types of schools. So if I go to a D3 camp, I'm probably going to get seen by a bunch of D3, like at least a few D3 coaches. And that's kind of where I want to end up. And what, or, you know, it's like, you yeah. so. Now, as, well, as a recruiting coordinator for a junior college, I see it from both ways of trying to get the player to go transfer out of our school to a good school and also bring in kids to come play for us. And, mm-hmm. I, and I see it every day. And the one thing that I come away with is that, you got to be <laughs> I'm not trying to tell parents or anyone how to spend their money, but I just want just to put the disclaimer out there just to make sure you're spending it wisely, I guess. <laughs> yep. And just doing and doing it the doing your homework before you spend the money that you want to spend on the in this game and um and talk to people that are involved with recruiting and the sport and just to make sure that you're being treated the right way and that these people have the people have your best interests at heart, you know, and not, not just right. not just collecting your money and running. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. And I mean, there's no harm in real talk. I'll lay it out. Like there's a lot of there's I've heard of stories in the past and it's not just strictly lacrosse. I have a, a really good friend that covers high school soccer and the sports are similar than that. They're they're not the the big money sports you know you don't get full scholarships so you know depending on i mean the player has to be honest with themselves the parents have to be honest with themselves and that you have to know like all right what legitimately what level of college does my son have a shot to play mm-hmm. you have to be honest like if, if they're a d2 or d3 player that is a that is awesome 
but you can't be like, oh, they're going to go play for Duke. And if they're, but if they're not that level and you can spend as much money as you want to put yourself in front of Duke, but is it worth it? And also it's one of those things like from my perspective, I'm like, because it's not a full scholarship sport, if you're trying, if you're aiming for the scholarship, do you really want that to spend that money to, you know, do you want to spend $7,000 on sending your son to these various camps right or do you want to save it and be like all right we're going to give him seven thousand dollars he wants to attend duke he's going to attend duke because there's like i was actually talking to someone the other day they uh there was a player out of illinois that um no one had heard of he had just gone to duke because that's where he wanted to go and he walked on he played on the team so you know it's not unheard of if you're interested in the school if you're good at lacrosse but if you get there uh, else you know and by other means, then you still have a shot to play. So it's like, I think you're right. You need to kind of be, be wise on where you spend it and just kind of sit down and be like, all right, you know, what do you want to like, we ask your son, like, what do you want to do? Like, what are you thinking? And as long as it, you know, within the means, but I think, you know, I, I heard my buddy that does soccer, he told me a crazy story. He said a parent was telling her they dollars sending their daughter around to various camps one summer. And both of us were like, well, that's more than any scholarship she would ever get because yeah. they don't, you're never going to get a $12,000 ship, skip ship in girls soccer. And, you know, depending on what the, the share is for lacrosse, like you probably not getting a $12,000 scholarship for lacrosse. So if you're spending that much money. It's like, all right, well, are we better off just sending him to the school of his dreams and then letting him walk on somewhere? Or, you know, you spend some of that and just decide where you want to go. So it's just, it's a tough decision, like I said. I don't envy anybody on having to make it, but you do you do kind of have to sit down and make some hard choices and just make some decisions. And I think it's better. It's like I've always been an advocate for parents and for students. But like find out where you want to be, and then because you're going to be an athlete, you're going to be a person who works in the workforce, and you're going to be a student much longer than you're going to be an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. So you you, you got to be aware of that, but like you got to go where you're going to be happy or you're going to enjoy your four years of college and where you're going to have fun and where you're going to create those memories and and learn. Um, and then you're going to carry that on much longer than you're ever going to be. I mean, you're not going to be a 60 year old, 60 year old playing major league lacrosse, but you're going to probably going to still be doing something at that age. So you want to make sure you get something out of it. Yeah, it's it all comes down to. What, what the what the player wants to you know and what you guys can afford and what you want to um what that child wants to pursue in terms of major and stuff and what because those schools those different schools for different majors that excel in different things and different areas mm-hmm. so i mean we have kids that want to do engineering and kids that want to get into agriculture and so you you got to look for the schools that have those things for your 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 son and daughter that want to pursue those things and so you just want to make sure that you're doing your homework you know yeah and i mean as an as someone who attended like i i had no idea what i wanted to do when i graduated high school so i went to frederick community college i spent a couple years at, at a community college not as an athlete but you know and obviously i i work at a community college here in illinois and i see it all the time like kids they, they don't know what they really want to nope. do. So they go to a JUCO or a community college and they figure it out. And then they go on and play somewhere else because they they now know it's like, all right, you know, 
maybe they wanted to do agriculture and that's what they thought they wanted to do. And they were like, oh, you know, I, I really don't like that as much. Or, you know, I found this part much more interesting and you can learn. So, I mean, there's no options that are really off limits when it comes to the college choice. Like if you decide, like, you know, I don't know what I want to do. And Mike, you're 18 years old. There's no shame in that. And Mike, here's a little shameless plug for the Drico side. When I talk, tell my recruit, the parents of my recruits that they can save a boatload of money just coming to play for us for two years. And they, we give them the number, they, their eyes open wide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's obviously a big, that's a big thing too, is just, you know, how much money you can save. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm definitely an advocate for keeping your options open. And, you know, if, if you can get, you know, the big scholarship to go somewhere, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, but for the kids who, you know, don't feel that pressure, like, oh, you know, I got to know what I want to do for the you know, rest of my life at 18 like it's tough like I didn't know I you know I could never tell anybody but like you have to make your decisions now that's why like I'm glad they pushed the rule back because I was thinking about like uh, when the eighth graders were committing I'm like that's crazy like you're deciding what you're going to do for your four years after high school and you're not even in high school yeah like that's that's kind of (laughs) nuts and 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 I I know it's something that you want to like gloat about with your friends and you want to feel proud about but it's one of those things that it doesn't really look good at, like in, in the grand scheme of things when you're committing as a, a, a still in middle school, you know, it's, and, right. and half these kids get to the school that they committed to back then. And now they, they, they're transferring to a different school and they, they're moving yeah. on, on somewhere else that they, they didn't, they just didn't. They just, yeah. They were just, it just wasn't, wasn't a fit, wasn't yeah. a fit whether, yeah. It was either, you know, and it could have been academically, it could have been athletically, it could have been, you know, maybe the coach that you really liked. And that's the other crazy thing. Like, maybe the coach you committed to in eighth grade, maybe he's not there anymore. Like, like then what do you do? Because, I mean, partly, like, as much as you want to say, like, you're committing to the program, I mean, parents are entrusting the college coaches to basically take care of their son for the next four years of their lives. And maybe that's not the guy that's there by the time they hit their senior year of high school if they were an eighth grader. So I think, you know, I know it's going to cause like, there's going to be, there's a learning curve. It's going to, it's not going to be without bumps and there's not going to be things that don't have to be ironed out. But I think overall for the sport, for the player, for the parents, I think pushing the date back, um, it's overall going to be a good thing. And like I said, it's, it's other sports do it. So I don't think it's not, you know, something so abnormal that no one's going to have any idea what's going on or how to navigate this. Like there, there'll be resources out there for people to, to help. And if, if you, if you want to no. keep talking about this, Hit us up on Twitter at the hashtag around the crease or uh, send me a direct message or email me at peacelacrosse at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be happy to talk with you about more of this. And uh, we'll have other topics next week and going forward on the show. But this was a good topic to start off with for us. And uh, we got a lot of feedback from people. We we, we still are even to today. I, I threw this out earlier in the week and I still have parents give me their feedback on this new rule. Yep. And exactly. And I'm at lax records. So you guys can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram there. Use the hashtag around the crease. If you have any questions, whether it's on this recruiting stuff or there's something else that you guys want us to cover, uh, just to tell us how great a job that we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I know we can keep talking about this forever, but I think we'll, we'll wrap up now. Um, Tom, just to kind of finish up, tell people where they can find, I know you mentioned the Twitter, where else can they find you? On the interweb. You can uh, find my, my blog at peacereport.com and um, 
at Peace Report Lax is my Twitter handle for the Peace Report Lax blog. And I'm also on Instagram if you're interested in checking out my information on there and photos from events at Be More Peace. And um, if you are interested in becoming a junior college all star <laughs> and stud, <laughs> check us out at Harvard. Uh, ccm dot underscore m lax and that's it all right all right and if for anybody who's curious like we're planning on doing this show um for now we're planning on doing it like once a week there were, we don't know how long each episode will be we'll just kind of figure it out as we go see what works and we'll kind of see the feedback we get but you can expect every the episodes we do do to drop on monday you can subscribe to us in whatever your favorite podcast player where it's apple podcast podcast overcast whatever you use we will be findable there. So for now, this is a wrap on episode one of Around the Crease season two. Oh. Thanks, Tom. Have a good see you, see you next week.